Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. My name is Matt Storm. For those of you who are joining the room as maybe a first time or uh, maybe haven't heard a segment yet, and you know, I think about the beautiful job that Renee did, that Pastor Jeff did, 
And I, I think that, you know, we, we sometimes take for granted the things that are right in front of us and the people that we hear from. We can hear the same thing packaged in a different way. And it hits our hearts and our minds very uniquely. And, you know, when I think about healthy mind, body, and bank account, all of those intersect and are deeply woven into the fabric of our very being because of how we were created. So today is going to be a special treat. I was very excited. Uh, Sarah goes, uh, do you want to have an hour today? And I said, gladly. And for the next, uh, I would say, 55 minutes or so, we're going to have a little bit of a mini interview. We're also going to take a look and interact with some of the ladies and gentlemen on stage as we go through some of these habits, as we go through some of these priorities that we outline, because I believe it's important that you have a voice. And here's why. If you've ever been to a Tony Robbins conference or just something as far as a seminar where it was a lecture, I know that I learned best when I leaned in and I interacted with the event instead of listening to the event. So I'm going to invite all of you to participate. Uh, if you have someone that you feel might have a story that would coincide or align with what we're talking about, feel free to ping them in as I want to have a little bit of fun today. And we're going to keep it light. And the reason why I want to keep it light and I want to hear a little bit more from all of you is because I have a story just like you. And I wanted to start off this fine afternoon with, you know, what I got a chance to go through to learn not only from myself or about myself, but from others just listening. You know, I think about the power of priority and I think about as you're able to not only prioritize your habits and your thoughts and your objectives, that is going to directly tie into your behavior. And so I, I have to uh, go back to high school. You know, I think about high school. What was my top priority in high school? So take a little journey back to when you were in high school. I think everybody was. And I think that all of you would probably just say that one of your main objectives was to graduate. That's pretty simple. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, that's basic and embarrassingly, you know, I mean, easy, right? And, you know, some of us studied just to get by. Some of us studied because we wanted all A's and we wanted to go to a great college and get into the college of our dreams so we could live that life that we originally had in our minds, that we fantasized about, that we talked about, that we dreamt about. We wanted to drive the car that we wanted to as opposed to ones that we had to settle for. We wanted to live in the house and have the family. You go down the list, right? It's gonna be different for everyone. And I remember going through high school and I have to say, it was a time that was probably one of the most painful lessons in my life because what high school taught me, and it might've taught you, was just how to get by. How do I just get my grades so I can graduate and move on to the next objective or the next thing? Think about what you ate. Did you eat healthy at lunch? Did your parents have breakfast or dinner with you? Or were they rushing out the door in the morning where you got yourself to school? When you came back, they were getting home at five or six o'clock in the evening. Think about how we have revolutionized the common core family. It's different. More people own businesses these days. More people are working 12 to 14 hours to try and achieve, or achieve, quote, the American dream. And I think about what 
as we developed our family, what we were saying to our kids about how we prioritized our time. So I wanna, I wanna first of all start off with this. If you fast forward going through college, you might've gotten a chance to graduate with excellent grades and get the job you want. Some of you might not have finished. Some of you might not have gone to college. Some of you work as an employee or maybe own your own business. And I think about when, when my wife and I met, we were running our own businesses and we were programmed and taught that hard work will be the reward to everything that we want in life. And so what we did was we put in 10 to 12 hour days. We didn't think much about a family at that point because we were thinking about making as much money as we could to be quote secure and financially successful. And what was crazy was no one taught us how to manage that. Just out of curiosity, as a mic flash, for those of you who might be able to relate to this, and I see my good friend, Michael O'Brien, how many of you were taught how to manage money at an early age? If you can give me a mic flash, I'd just like to see. How many of you were taught money management in college? All right, I see one. And how many of you were taught money management because it was forced upon you and you finally realized that if you spend as much as you made, you'd never be wealthy? There we go. Now I'm seeing it. I see Tosh, I see Dan, I see Michael. And so if you think about what we have as the opportunity in front of us right now, we have the opportunity to teach the younger generation responsibility in a fun way. No one likes to be taught something, but they love to learn. I think about lessons. I think about the things that, you know, you might have learned the hard way and it, it's painful. And with pain comes also pleasure because you never want to go back to that painful day again. And so, Mr. Michael O'Brien, if I could put you on the spot for a quick second. Uh, Mr. Michael O'Brien is a friend of mine. He is someone who has always, you know, had the right attitude and really looked in his situation to be regarded as that time where he had his last bad day. Mr. O'Brien, if you're with us, can you give us a mic flash? You're going to hear from him. Oh, I love to hear that. If you could talk just a little bit about that painful lesson you learned on that last bad day and how it changed the trajectory of your life, I would love to you to share if you feel comfortable enough to do. Yeah, sure thing, Matt. I'm driving, so I'll, I'll be concise. So my last bad day, July 11, 2001, got hit head on by a Ford Explorer going 40 miles an hour as I was out on a bike training ride before a company offsite. And the doctors have no idea how I survived because my injuries were that severe. And up until that point, I was chasing my happiness. I thought happiness was in my next external merit badge, the car, the money, all that jazz. And you know what? I caught a lot of that and I was happy for a bit. And then like any vapor finish line, it vanishes and then you go back to chasing. And the thing around money that you just mentioned that was a powerful one for me is I, I never learned how to manage money at all. Like I started working probably when I was 16 and I don't think I've stopped working ever since. And I had to hit rock bottom. I had to go to my dad for a loan because I was so, I had maxed out everything. I had maxed out my gas cards. I couldn't even buy chips and beer to go watch the Redskins with one of my buddies because I was so in debt. I had about $3.73 in the ATM at one point, and 
I had to ask him for a loan to like wipe out the credit card so I could get my financial house in order. And one of the best things I've ever done is like going through that process because it gave me so much more freedom and freedom on so many different levels. Um, and so that was actually before my accident. So even with that lesson though, I still sort of went back to chasing the happiness. I thought like if I had the car, like that would have made it right. And, and then I had the biggest pause button in my life, a chance to really think like how did I show up for this one wild and precious life, the quote from Mary Oliver. And I realized that the, the ha your happiness is not in the stuff, that the happiness is in this moment. And it's the ripple that you make, it's the connections you make, it's the influence and impact you make on others. And so, um, yeah, that was a huge moment. There's a lot more to it, obviously. Uh, but I says, as I said, I'm driving, so I'm going to keep it short. I just wanted, I saw you up on stage, Matt. I was like, I got to hear, I got to hear my buddy. So uh, share some wisdom as you always do. I might come down speaking, but I'm still breathing. Talk to you soon. Michael, that is such a powerful share and story because, you know, when I first heard your story many months ago, it inspired me to think differently about the things that go on around us that we could easily say, oh, it's just not going my way. This is not the day to have this happen, right? And we think about these things to where really in hindsight, a year from now, we're probably not even gonna remember what happened today, October 14th, 2021. Yet there are significant defining moments in your life. When you got hit by a Ford Explorer, you remember the make and the model of the car. You remember it was, you know, 40 miles an hour. You remember that last bad day and you start to see life and you start to do life differently. And so I, I love that your share as far as you had to ask your dad. I was in that exact same situation. How many of us by Mike Flash have ever gotten a chance to be like rock bottom and you had to ask someone for money? Just a quick mic flash, and I won't call on you unless, uh, Tosh, I see, uh, yep, uh, I, I was there. Michael, I see it as well. And I have to say that probably the lesson that I learned from that, I remember being in college, and I was paying my way through the University of Houston at the time. I was living with two other people with roommates, and I was working full-time. So I was taking 18 hours, and I was going to come up short for the first time when I was 19 years old. And I remember that call. I was sitting outside my apartment and I had to call my father and say, dad, I can't make rent this month. I can't make my portion and they're counting on me. And you know what? He said, you better find it because I'm not going to give it to you. And you want to talk about some tough love. I have to say that that was the most defining moment for me about money where I said, I need to manage and handle my money differently. I shouldn't spend everything that I make. And you know what? He was a great example of what to do, what not to do. He, he got a chance to always have what I would call a surplus. After his paycheck, he would always find a way to have 20% left over to invest in himself and his lifestyle. Now, my parents were divorced, so I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of them. I didn't get a chance to learn that healthy habit when I was young, and it took a long, hard lesson. And I actually had to figure out a way to come up with rent. And it was a really ugly feeling. It was really like that, that feeling that you never want to have again. So you can base your actions out of fear. And from then on, I realized never again will this happen to where if I'm in control and I can take this, I need to make sure that I'm covered long before the rent is due.
So when I think about paying for success, I think about paying in full and I know it's due every month. And so that's what drove my wife and I to finally realize because she was not very good with money either. If you caught the segment a few weeks ago where I interviewed her, she comes from a family that is poverty stricken. I also come from that same side with my mom. Uh, I didn't see much of my father and we lived on my mother's income. And I would say that it was a much different lifestyle that my father and my mother lived. Yet I was still able to learn from afar why he did what he did and maybe some of the things that I could take along and learn from it. I also saw my mom struggle. And that was one of those things that I would just say, if you've ever seen someone struggle and they try and give everything they can, yet it's still not enough and they still fall a little short, you want to do your best to be service oriented. So as we talk about finances, let's talk about habits and priorities. I think Renee did this beautifully and Pastor Jeff did this beautifully when we talked about priorities. And I want to share with you a little bit about what we have discovered going through life being on this earth and having a family, people who depend on you. You know, you would be surprised as you'll notice that you have eyes watching you, right? Every single one of you in this room is a leader in some form or fashion. You might have younger eyes looking at you, you might have community eyes, or you might even have people at work. And so what that means is, I have always found that there are three types of people that I need in my life. And I think this is a really healthy habit. So if there's something that you can take from this before we get into our interview, the one thing I needed to understand is I needed a mentor. I needed someone that I could look up to who has the healthy habits that I wanted to emulate and strive for and replicate in my life. And I needed to be able to ask them questions. I also needed them to be able to be completely honest with me. So if you have that person who is a mentor, guess what? Step one, check. You also, um, I, I found that it's really helpful to have a person who can walk with me, who can be my peer. You know, they're at the same level in life and I can bounce ideas off of them and we can talk in a very two-way street type way and we can say, what are you doing? Oh, well, this is what I'm doing that found help. What are you doing? Great, well, we're at the same level. Why don't we continue to get better together? So as I look around this room, I see people like Nate. I see people like Dr. Connor, Dr. Tom. I see Tosh. I see Monica, a great friend. Dan. I see Pascal as well. I see Michelle. I see all of you. And then I look into the audience and I see, you know, Stephanie and Satoshi. Yes, you have your hand raised. I see it. Stephanie, Laura, uh, Frank. We have a lot of Stephanies in here. And I think about the people in our lives. If you were to define who is walking with you or next to you in your daily life, can you name that person right now? And if you can, how do you show them appreciation on why they're there? And then I think about the person that you might mentor. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. You have someone looking up to you. Doesn't matter how tall or short. You always have someone looking up to you. And that helped me stay accountable. That word to me has every definition of wealth and every definition of priority in life. Because if you're accountable for your actions and you're accountable for your words, your integrity and your character are intact. So those are things that I just wanted to share with you because I have my Paul, my Timothy, and my Barnabas. Uh, for those of you who, uh, you know, who do study a little bit you know, in the faith, that's something that I found that was incredibly important to me. So I'm just gonna give you the ways that we started to define our relationship as a family. And if you don't have a family right now, and you're wanting to have a family uh, and have it look a certain way, 
the most important thing to do is to define it with the person that you're with and what you want to see happen. So here's how we defined it. These are, these are going to be the tactical things. And uh, as I give these to you, it's very important that you understand that this works for us. It might not work for you. It's important that we get clear on the things that are in front of us. And so the way that I have structured and discussed this with my significant other was very clear to me. I, I told my wife, I said, Leanne, there's no way that you or the kids can be number one in my life. And there is no way that I want you to think of me as number one in your life. And here's why. Everything flows through God. So to have a faith-based relationship will trickle down into our relationship as partners, and it will even cascade down into our kids who need direction, who need leadership, management, they need parents. They need role models and examples. And you know what? They need to see us working hard. They need to see us working smart. And they need to see us being responsible. Now, are we going to be perfect? No. This is the one thing that I heard from a gentleman that I thought his, his name is Dr. Mark Williams. And when he said this to me, it just hit me like a runaway freight train. He goes, perfect is the enemy of progress. I'm going to repeat that. Perfect is the enemy of progress. When we strive to be perfect at everything, very little gets done. Yet, we want to be as perfect or as close to perfect as possible. So when I think about these things that have really defined our lives throughout to where we are present day, I think about the experiences. Now, let me, let me just blow your mind here. For those of you who are Paul David Tripp fans, what if I told you that your life is lived in the mundane? It's lived in the mediocre times. It's not lived in the highs and the lows. And here's why. 80% to 90% of your life is going to be, eh, it's going to be in the middle. And then you're going to have those defining times when you hit a peak and you hit the summit of the mountain and you can celebrate and you can, you can relish in that day because you're doing the right things and you've accomplished something that you set out to do. And on the flip side of that, there are very dark valleys. There are valleys where you know you don't see the light, you don't think you can get out of it. And I got to tell you, it's one of those things where it's forcing you to move in a different way, in a different direction. You live in 80 to 90% of the minutiae or the mundane of life. And that's what Paul David Tripp says. We've gotten the chance, I've gotten a chance to listen many times over to his same series. And uh, I have to say that when I got married, it was something that I could not do alone. It is something that I needed extreme help with and extreme support structure because I know that selfishly as human beings, we're always going to look out for number one if we don't have something or someone else to hold us accountable. So we go back to that accountability factor. So the number one thing in our lives has to be God. And you know what? There are times where we need to remind ourselves of that. There are times where we have to say, do you remember when we said this? Well, we're not being accountable to our actions. This might have slipped to number two, meaning well, we want to consistently and repetitiously surround ourselves with faith-based community and families. We want to continue to, to attend church regularly, and we want to make sure that we're feeding our kids the right things and helping them in making the right decisions if they need help. So that was number one. Number two was our spousal relationship. So as God being number one in our life, number two allowed us 
to have more of a healthy way of arguing, for example. Now, how many of you have a healthy way of arguing? That's a rhetorical, right? You might have a mic flash on and say, I, I can't remember the last time that I actually fought a clean fight with my spouse <laughs> because it's very easy for us to think about ourselves and get in our own head. And, you know, just recently I found that um, I don't know what clicked. I was at a time in my life where I wanted to serve my wife unconditionally, even if I uh, wasn't treated a certain way. It was without expectation or return on investment. My wife just recently got a chance to do the same. She made a commitment to serve her husband unconditionally and say, what do you need from me? How can I make our marriage better, our life better, our family? And I have to say it was quite refreshing and it was not always roses. There were times where we would argue and yell at each other, sometimes in front of the kids, and that's where we lost focus. We didn't have God number one and we could see it in that reflection and we had to go back and apologize and explain to our kids that we lost focus and it's okay to make that mistake. And it was a really tough conversation. Men have a hard time saying they're sorry and apologize at certain times. And I have to say, when we learn the power of saying I'm sorry without the condition attached on why you did something, it made all the difference in our lives. And I find that our kids are watching and they do the same thing. That's what I wanted to emulate. The number three priority is our family. Our kids, we want them to be healthy. We want them to have great relationships, not only with their friends and do well in school. We also want to be able to have them have, you know, the things that they want in their life because they've earned it, not because they were given it. You know, um, we've, we've gotten to a point where we're comfortable in life. And I have to say that we don't come from a comfortable background. My wife comes from McAllen, Texas. Um, she was thrice divorced with her, with her parents, meaning both of her parents have been married and remarried three times. I come from a divorced household. It could have very easily defined the way that we were going to run our relationship, and we weren't sure if we were going to make it at times. We had to make a conscious decision to keep forging the things that brought us together and remind ourselves of those things instead of focus on the things that tear us apart. And so I think about the way that physically we have shown up for each other. There was a time when I competed professionally as a bodybuilder, and this was back in 2014 to 2018, to where it was all about me, and it was all about staying healthy and doing the things that I needed to do to further my career. And my wife definitely stepped up. She wasn't happy with it, but she stepped up. And just recently, we've kind of switched roles. She has made a huge transformation in her health. She now has made a conscious decision to eat a certain way. She has gotten off all of the things that her heart medication, by the way, she's not overweight. You know, you think about someone who you see is, man, they really look healthy, but you don't know what's going on internally. She was not eating well, yet her metabolism allowed her to get away with a lot of things. And you could see it in the way that she felt and she felt lethargic and she was on antidepressant medicine and she got off her Lexapro and weaned herself off of that because she knew it wasn't serving her. She knew it was spilling over into our relationship, and she had to make the conscious decision. Every day she woke up, she didn't want to do it, but she, she made herself do it because she understood the benefit and the reward long term. She had her why. And so I think about our kids. 
and this leads me to uh, to a, a fun thing. And I, I would love to hear a story uh, as I, I finish with this, just for the first part of the segment. I would love to hear a story of what you did on why your why turned into your how. Meaning, it was a burning desire for you to change something in your life, and you did it just with baby steps, and now it's a habit and a priority that has been ingrained and written on your tablet to where you can go look at it and say, this is a non-negotiable. So tomorrow marks a very special day. Uh, this morning, I had to fly out from Houston to Las Vegas, and uh, I'm in Las Vegas just for the day, and then I get back on a plane first thing in the morning uh, to run back out to Houston. And for three and a half years, my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter and I, I, I said, I will do martial arts with you if you will stick to it and make the commitment to get your black belt with me. So our first degree black belts, we are testing tomorrow night. And we've, there's been times where she said, I don't want to go, or I can't go, I don't feel good, or I want to go play with my friends instead. And we said, do you remember that commitment that we made to each other three and a half years ago? Well, every single class and training is going to build up to a moment where we can celebrate together and be able to stand on a stage where we accomplished it. Are you with me? Or are you going to make the easier decision on the things that maybe you want to do as opposed to the things you have to do? And that was a big lesson for me as I got a chance to kind of grow up because I didn't have that person in my life. My father didn't hold me to that same standard. And so tomorrow marks a very special day for us. And what I would love to hear is from someone on the stage, feel free and flash your mic. I want to hear a victory story from you. I want to hear when you were down in the dumps or when you made a commitment to yourself to do something and you chose to do it because dot, dot, dot. So I just go, I'm going to look for a quick mic flash. I know that, um, you know, I, I love to spend time talking about certain stories. I want to hear from you. And uh, I saw Dr. Sean Shapiro jump back in. Hopefully he's uh, not with clients uh, anymore. Uh, I see uh, Michael Robinson, who is a great friend of Breakfast with Champions and always has great, amazing content. And uh, I would love to hear from Pascal as far as your victory story, and what you committed to and the things you had to go through to see the mountaintop. So Pascal, would love to turn it to you. Okay, um, afternoon, afternoon. I don't know what time it is over there. I'm calling in from Gran Canaria, which is uh, the Canary Islands. And thank you so much, Storm. I really enjoyed listening to you. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, ma'am. Okay, God bless you all. And thank you for handing the mic over to me. Actually, to, to, to be short, in a, in a nutshell, um, I'm so happy that you said, keep God first. Um, I do believe in the kingdom of God, there is no recession. And uh, one thing I'm going to say, unlike um, many others, that, that's a privilege I had. I come from a home where we were really severely uh, raised, but we had to manage our money. So for this, I thank my parents and I give God the glory. Now, um, I have been active in the corporate and I was assisting seminaries uh, even since 2011 in Canada. Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live. 
every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. Um, different places, uh, Europe. I was born in, in Europe, so you can hear that from my accent. I'm actually Dutch speaking. And um, what I saw, actually the eye opener for me was the Babylonian system and the revelations that I received in the what was happening within the corporate system. Uh, I come from a banking sector. So um, even though I run now my own magazine, but uh, the main mes message that I want to say is um, everybody is responsible. Um, the, um, the revelations that I have, you know, when you work in the corporate sector, it, it's a system that keeps you captive. So a lot of people are working in the, in the Babylonian system and I worked a lot on budget control, uh, European, all over, you know, budget all over the Europe. And what I want to say, it's, it's really mismanagement of money. Everything is <laughs> related to mismanagement of, of money. And as the word says, to whom much is given, much is required. So God will give more to, to the good steward. And my change came when I saw what was really happening within the Babylonian system, and I got tired of it. Not everybody can go out of it, because like I said, it's a system that keeps you captive. And if you have a family to feed, and there was the first financial crisis, they have to give up the, the car, they have to give the, the keys, they cannot enter the bank, stuff like that, then that's really trouble. Now. It depends on your situation. If you're by yourself or with, with a partner and you can move solo, you can get out, you have the revelation and you say enough, enough is enough. And you're also in the faith because like you said, make God first, that makes a huge, huge difference. God will always make a way out. And for me, I got that revelation and that, you know, I, I got a vision, create my own. And now I have my Royalty Woman online magazine. Even the first topic, it says really self-care is, is a divine responsibility. So I'm very much on health and wellness, health and wellness and mindset, but it's really start with us. So my breakthrough was really um, the revelations I got within the Babylonian system um, and hearing the voice of God, I had to shift. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, Pascal, so, thank you so much. And I think today, hallelujah to God be the glory, today we need people who are really, who, are, who have the talent, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. So I did a lockdown on my television. I said, I have to protect my mind. So I cannot listen to this, to this. Even if God spoke, I know I have to go somewhere. So I sh 
moved out of Midland Europe. I've lived in the States. I'm in the Canary Islands. The weather is glorious over here all year round. <laughs> You're from different parts of the world. There's a lot of freedom, sunshine, eight o'clock, you can go swimming. So I just thank God Almighty for the big shift. But the key is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God will continue to provide and give more according to your faith and according to your faithfulness. But the parents, as you said, parents have a very important role. Um, I... I, I really, I bless the Lord first and utmost, but I thank also my parents. And, I love that. And yeah, if you go on my, you know, if you see my first page, the homepage, there is already the, the title, self-care is a divine responsibility. Actually, my friend was a former NBA basketball player, so we were... We did a lot of sports, and if you've been doing that since a young age, so you maintain, no matter, even if you go into the 50s, you go later, you know, I decree and declare daily. So, and if God be for us, who can be against, against us? Nobody, absolutely nobody. Mm. So, that is great. Uh, yes. I'm done speaking, and I give God glory, and thank you also for sharing. Pascal, thank you. thank you so much. And I, I want to highlight what you said, because I believe before we go to our interview uh, and our next uh, young lady, uh, which I absolutely adore, you know, I want to highlight what you said. And you said you had to break the cycle. It was a system, right? And you had to do something that allowed you to be able to see something different than what you've been seeing. And I think a lot of us get stuck in that that same, you know, spinning our wheels because that's what we're used to. And when we do something that's uncomfortable, that is when the change happens, when we learn to embrace what's uncomfortable. And I have to say uh, that our, our, our guest is Miss Nikki Elger. And I, I or El, excuse me, Elger. And I, I have to say that I met Nikki in person. Uh, she came to Houston. Uh, she is someone who is... Um, not only just amazing in movement, human mobility, and optimizing really the human body, she is someone who I have gotten a chance to hear from many times, converse in rooms. She knows how to make change. She is a master at it. And you know, when I think, Nikki, about you, the reason why I wanted to interview you is because you have made such a difference in people's lives because I've seen the transformations that they've gone through. I would love to know just from a personal standpoint, how did you get into do what you're doing and why was that so important for you? Well, hello. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I would say already my biological... Um, wow, how did I get into doing what I do? You know, I grew up dancing. Um, I danced through um, right right out of college, um, classical dance, so ballet and such. And um, 
And I stepped right into CrossFit, which is an interesting transition um, to go from, from something that is strength-based, but more of a flow practice, such as ballet, um, into a more intense um, strength training format, such as CrossFit. But, um, but it was really my kind of gateway drug to strength training, and I just fell in love with it. Um, and I, I ended up, uh, you know, becoming a, a coach and, um, you know, I started seeing the same injuries and, um, in my students and my athletes happening over and over again. And I noticed, uh, I noticed not only a pattern in the same types of injuries, but repetitive reoccurring injuries, um, for individuals. So, you know, I'd have someone, um, that would, you know, um, hurt their lower back and, and, you know, would get them strong again and, and they would almost immediately hurt their lower back again. So I start kind of going down the rabbit hole of, mobility. At the time, um, I was calling it flexibility. Um, we'll get to that. Those are two very different things. And, um, and it was a very unspoken thing in the strength and conditioning world. Um, so, you know, when I, when I started kind of talking to um, the other coaches about, hey, let's try and bring some flexibility work into our classes, into our sessions, you know, not just foam rolling, but, um, but, you know, actual like active work. And, uh, you know, I kind of just had these kind of gloss, you know, glossed over, uh, looks in return. So it was, uh, it was a very, the barrier of entry was, was very difficult to get through. Um, and, you know, I just kind of put my, uh, my nose to the ground and kept at it. And, um, you know, it took a few years, but, um, before I knew it, I'd actually transitioned out of coaching CrossFit and only um, into coaching mobility-specific work for CrossFit gyms. Now, at the time, I was working locally. I'm based out of Austin, uh, born and raised ATX, been here 42 years. Um, and then I started doing some work with San Francisco CrossFit, um, Defiant CrossFit, some New York CrossFit gyms. And it just kind of grew from there. So um, that's a, a long-winded answer to how I got where I am today, Matt. Well, as you talk about the physical part, I think this, this beautifully ties in with your clients, with the people that are, um, you know, definitely influenced with you and by you. Just being around you, it's just infectious because I love the fact that, you know, when I saw you, you were you exactly, you, you were even better in person than I could imagine because of just the way that you carry yourself. And I, I think that, you know, the mental aspect of what some of your clients might go through, your athletes, you know, I think is just as important as the physical aspect. Because like you said, you know, you work on a back injury and then a lower back injury happens. And, and so what would you say some of the keys, especially with people who want to be high performing mentally, what are some of the ways that you're able to help them through those things when they have injury? Because I will tell you that I have a knee that has been operated on six times and I don't feel as confident when I go do the things that I do normally in sports, plus I'm 44 years old and I'm not 24 anymore. So mentally it takes me out to not really go 110%, so to speak. So can you speak to the mental aspect of how people are able to develop personally and professionally mental strength? 
Absolutely. That's such a great question. You know, I say a lot to, to my clients, we don't put the past on a pedestal because while we can, we can reflect on where we've been um, and how we got where we are, but I find that a lot of the mental blocks, the mindset blocks that I see with athletes, um, specifically when dealing with injury, rehabilitating back from an injury, is there's a lot of um, retrospective um, talk. You know, well, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Will I be able, will I be as fast? Will I be as strong? Will I ever be able to do what I did before? And, you know, it's really important that we flip the switch on that type of self-talk and that, that mindset, because we can't do anything about what happened before. We can only look at what's ahead and then reverse engineer from that. And um, so, you know, some, some other tools that we put in place are focusing on small goals um, instead of just focusing on getting back to, um, you know, competing or, or getting back to, you know, starting defense on the field or whatever it may be. We focus on, um, you know, a, a smaller goal of increasing, um, you know, our mile run, increasing our, our sprints, increasing our deadlift. Again, uh, law of specificity here, but um, really breaking down the, the big picture is something that I found to be very successful for, for athletes. And, you know, honestly, personally speaking for myself with business, right? I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, most of us on the stage are entrepreneurs and it's very easy to look back um, or kind of get in a, a, a place of, well, I feel like, you know, at this place I was doing more or I was more successful when, and uh, we can't always replicate what uh, transpired in the past. So, um, you know, doing what we can to keep eyes forward, um, perspective forward is really important um, for, you know, being successful with, with having a, a healthy mindset. That is so key, Nikki. When you talk about the past as being, you know, something that you can't control, you can only learn from it does affect the way that we present day and in the future, we future pace the things that we learn from, right? And I think that you bring up such a great point about that mental portion. And I know that we only have just a few minutes left as far as the interview portion before we open it up to the floor. I would like for you to speak if, if possible. Um, you know, I know that Monica has made just a tremendous transformation physically. You know, I see amazing people like Kimberly King, David Zimberg, Matt Winifred. I, I see all, Megan, I see you. Uh, this is something that I believe made a huge difference in my mental and physical performance when I started to understand the importance of what I was putting on my plate and what liquid I was drinking. When I started cutting out sodas, when I started cutting out artificial drinks and sweeteners, I could feel myself mentally being more clear and not in a fog to be able to make decisions that just seemed to be so much easier. So can you speak to the nutrition part? I mean, you're very comprehensive. You know, not only are you able to physically assess someone if their movement is incorrect or if it's being hindered or, you know, if there's an injury and we know how to strengthen and get back to balance because I think balance is a great word, even though it's very rare to exist in a fully harmonious function of balance. 
I also think about mentally being balanced because if we're not stressed, we're not growing. There is a positive factor to stress. How would you say nutrition plays a role in either your clients, yourself, your family? Why is that so important that we continue to pay attention to what we're buying at the store? When we go out to eat, the things that we order on the menu, can you speak a little bit to the nutritional aspect of how we can make ourselves that much better? Yes, 100%. I love this question. So it's symbiotic, symbiotic, excuse me, you know, the, the movements and the nutrition, the strength training and, and the food that we're putting in our bodies. The integrity of, um, of the, you know, the, the ingredients that we're choosing to consume and the cleanliness of the water that we're choosing to drink is foundational. And, and it's really not that hard to do. Um, I know that there's a lot of blocks sometimes around eating very clean food because it feels more expensive. It feels like a, an investment that maybe isn't as important as something else when really it is quite frankly, the most important, what we choose to, um, to fuel our bodies with, to feed our bodies is what sets us, you know, it sets the um, pace for what the next day looks like. It sets the pace for what 10 years down the road looks like for us. And as athletes specifically, um, you know, inflammation, yes, stress, you know, you mentioned uh, about stress that not all stress is bad. That's absolutely right. Um, our body, it, you know, we need certain stresses on our body, but um, inflammation, uh, you know, a significant amount of inflammation, which is a direct correlation from the food that we eat, um, you know, that, that is the kind of stress that we don't want. And it's the kind of stress that um, it affects our sleep hygiene, it affects our energy levels, it affects our cognitive function. And so, you know, eating a well-balanced, I mean, I, I, you know, we could go down the road of, of all the different types of, um, you know, nutrition plans, quote unquote diets. But, um, you know, I, in all my years of doing this, I found that the most successful diet is, of course, the one that works for you, but also the one that is balanced. It's not the one that's perfect. It's not the one that doesn't allow for error. It is the one that is balanced and sustainable. And um, so, you know, I, yeah, I mean, honestly, Storm, I, I think that, that the, the food that we choose, our, our um, you know, nutrition programming is almost more important than our, our strength training programming. So, yeah, that's a great question. Thanks. You know, that is such an amazing answer. And, and here's why I say that is because when you just said food programming, it clicked with me that it is a program. It's not something that should be left up to chance, which means are the meals prepared or do I eat because I'm hungry or do I eat to fuel my body? And I think that if you're hungry and fuel your body with the things that it needs as opposed to things that taste good, your palate changes. There was one quote I wanted to pull out of this that I thought was so impressive. Um, and I know you didn't say it directly, but you, you kind of did. And it says, if you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness. 
I'm just going to repeat that. If you don't make time for your wellness, you're going to be forced to make time for your illness. I see people who are highly successful and they work like crazy. And that's great financially. Yet, how long are they going to live to be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor if they're not healthy? You know, how often do we eat at the most expensive and the best restaurants? And we know that food tastes so amazing, yet it's not doing anything to nourish our soul. And so I think that, um, you know, you bring up such great points, Nikki. I know that, uh, you know, this was an impromptu. You're the first person I thought of when I realized and I was awarded a one-hour segment. You are someone who I truly respect and admire for the things that you're able to do, not only with your own family, but the way that you show up for other people and giving the necessary resources and tools to have other people succeed at the level that they want to succeed at. So I do want to to, uh, open up the floor. I know Zimberg joined the stage as well as Kimberly. I see David, Megan. I see all of you uh, and would love just to uh, get a quick round robin. If if anything stuck with you about the physical, about the mental, or even about the nutritional aspect, maybe something that you might change from this conversation, or maybe something that you might've heard that you didn't think about it that way. So we'll just look for some quick mic flashes. And Nikki, first of all, before I look for mic flashes, are you available to stick around just another couple extra seconds? I am. Matt, I am. Yes. And just quickly, I just I wanted to say thank you for for sharing space with me and bringing me on today. I have such high respect for you and um, grateful grateful to be connected. So yes, let's let's see if we've got some questions. Love it. I'll uh, kind of scroll down. I see Christina and I see Michael as well and Nate. I know that uh, some are uh, off their phone, but Megan, I do want to go to you. The beautiful Megan, so glad to see you and can't wait to hear. So what struck you or do you have a question for uh, Nikki? Uh, Actually, in a um, a, a retail um, location, been listening to you, so I don't know if this is the best time to share. But what I do want to share, Storm, is again what you just shared if what you're taking uh, account to and this is not exact quote but a uh, to uh you know you're if you're not taking account of your health you're going to take care of your illness and um you know it has been a lifelong journey of mine to stay focused with a positive mental attitude and sound physical health and you know uh in my journey of life it really is a piece to it i mean there's so much else but it really is about that mindset and what you uh, focus on today it will be tomorrow so it is a must to stay in that positive mental attitude and that will lead to your health in that positive space as well thank you so much and be blessed well megan i love that and before we go to david i want to ask you a follow-up question do you have something that keeps you in that positive mental state? You know, it's, uh, I would say, the Word of God, my daily morning meditation, but it's really been a lifelong, uh, or I should say in the last 30 years of my life, really with um, building that spiritual Holy Spirit muscle because it's not something that just happens. It really is like you were speaking about your beautiful wife. It's that decision and then continuing on with that journey to stay in that place. So it's a, it really is a lifelong commitment to that positive mental attitude with, again, surrounding yourself with people that enhance you, not diminish you, with, uh, you know, again, reading the word, pouring that in. But again, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to trust 
listen and take action. Thank you so much, Storm. Wow, that was so well put, Megan. And I have to say, you know, that ties into how we started this was accountability. Having people around you who can tell you the truth, you know, if you're if you're falling off the wagon a little bit or if you're veering off the road to get you back on course. And so, Megan, absolutely appreciate your input and, and love the fact that you're here and would love to uh, to move to David. And, and David would love to hear a question or maybe an insight that you gained, uh, you know, just by listening and really what stuck with you. So would love to turn the mic over to you, my friend. Hey, Storm, everybody. The reason I popped into the room was. Um, a lot of my favorite clubhouse people are in here and then I got a chance to hear Nikki for the first time. So I want to start by saying thank you to Nikki. That was really great. Um, very, very, very helpful. Here's what I took away. Um, six days post-op and, uh, just had a, my second total hip replacement, which is a pretty barbaric, um, surgery. If anybody's seen it done, it's, uh, it's the real deal. But I am strapping on my tennis shoes right now to do my first workout. And if you would have told me you know, seven days ago that I'd be six days post-op, getting ready to get on a treadmill and then do go through my um, workout routine, I'd be like, there's no way. Um, so what was really cool for me, and I think it was Nikki, I was getting ready uh, as she was sharing, was breaking everything down into little increments. So today I'll probably walk a quarter of a mile, which will be a big feat with no walker and no handrails. And then maybe next week I'll go to a half a mile. Uh, but being able to get those little tiny wins is what I took away from it, Storm. And um, I really appreciate you holding this space because it's what I, I started to feel six days in. I started to feel actually depressed, sad. I can't work. I can't do anything. <laughs> so I was kind of on my pity potty. And then I jumped in this room and I'm like, that's what I need. I need to have a little win, even if it's a quarter mile, even if it's picking up the weights. Um, so I just want to say thank you to Nikki and everybody in this room. Uh, and I'm looking forward to my first workout. Absolutely. I got, oh, I, I love it. You know, I'm sitting here just relishing in the fact because Nikki knows. Nikki, how, how would you respond to that, knowing that you said something that six days post-op on a hip replacement? Somebody is going to get something that completely impacts the trajectory of what they're going to do present day to this week. How does that feel for you? I mean, I just, I'm just over here cheering David on. Bravo, David. You know, you, you have that power mindset in place. The fact that you are up and moving forward in a way that is, you know, safe for your body as you're healing, but also setting you up for success to you know get back to being active is beautiful so thank you so much for sharing that with us i i feel i feel fired up for you so i'm i'm cheering you on man um love hearing it thank you i just i want to invite everybody uh, in 16,042 days i'll be celebrating my 100th birthday because of the healthy choices i make today so everybody's invited to that party Thank you, Nikki. I love it. I'll be there, David. David, I agree. Let's celebrate that. You know, I, I think as we kind of wind this segment down, I do believe um, it's important for us to celebrate our victories, no matter how big or how small. And I think that probably has more advocacy for our mental health than anything that we can do externally.
It's just internally celebrating and getting a chance to celebrate our victories and even sometimes our failures or lessons because we learn what not to do the next time. So, you know, just to keep things going, I believe that, you know, that's extremely important, David, what you said. You know, I I just big kudos to you, my friend. Look, people who have had surgeries understand that doctors will always give you that cautious optimism, you know, by saying you need to go through PT and it's going to take you about 12 weeks for a rehab on this or six weeks for a rehab and take it slow and do that. And some of us are overachievers. And, you know, I think we've all been there and done that, right? And uh, I believe that, David, because of what you just said, you inspired someone else in the room to be able to maybe think differently about their situation. Maybe they haven't had the gravity of a hip replacement. Maybe they haven't had to, you know, learn how to walk in a way that could completely change the way that they live from here on out. So, you know, you're an inspiration yourself. Just want to thank you. And, Nikki, I just want to, first of all, thank you, uh, you know, for just – lending your time to us. And and I believe that your wisdom is so incredibly, incredibly important for us to hear and also live. Now, here, here's the challenge I want to leave with all of you. The challenge I want to leave is I think this information is great. And if you lean into me on this, this is what can be the, the game changer right now. The question is what you're going to do with it. Because you're going to have something go sideways in the next week, in the next month, and you can revert back to this conversation and say, Nikki said this, and it allowed me to keep going. Or Pascal's you know, story talked about breaking the system. Those are those things. Or when you heard Michael O'Brien, his last bad day, he doesn't have bad days anymore. And I think we can all learn from just the little sprinkle of what people say, because there's going to be some things that stick, and there's going to be some things that kind of fall by the wayside and bounce off. And I would just encourage all of you, Find that, that one thing, and it's very simple. Dave, <laughs> David said it, one day at a time, one step at a time. And so if we're able to do those things, we're able to not only create a better life for ourselves, we're also able to create a better life for the people who are watching us, who we're walking with side by side, and also our mentor because they see reward when their tutelage, that's you, when they see you succeed. That's the big key. So, Mr. Michael, I, I would like just to just to get your thoughts, uh, you know, before we uh, before we bring Tamara in. And uh, my friend, you're welcome, David. Thank you for the message. And I know, Sarah, you are here as well. And uh, I would like to see, Sarah, should I turn it over to you or uh, do I have just a couple of minutes just to ask Michael a few questions? You know what? Feel free to ask him a few questions. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Michael, are you there? And do you mind if I ask I you a few questions? Yeah, go for it, man. Well, you know, we're going to do an impromptu interview with you. And here's why. Because I know, you know, we have our segments that sometimes run back to back. And I've gotten a chance to hear snippets of your story. And I think you are that reason why people see the better in people. And if you could talk a little bit about your situation and your why and how you get through your difficult times, what would you say gets you through the tough stuff? Gosh, you know, here, par- partially I'll say this, some of that's hardwired into me uh, just because I was raised in an environment and the example was set for me, uh, which isn't the case for everybody. So I'm very lucky in that sense. The case was, was shown to me as a kid. I always use the example when I was a sophomore in high school, my dad, uh, I come from a big family. My dad lost his job 
Uh, and when I was a kid, we just didn't, I didn't think, well, we weren't poor. Don't get me wrong. I hate using that terminology, but we did, we just had enough. Right. And, you know, it was the kind of thing that uh, like a lot of families in the world live just enough money to get by just enough money to put food on the table. I remember my dad losing his job and having to, to hustle and put things together. Right. So I remember as a kid, we would pile in, in the station wagon that we had and go and deliver phone books back in the day when the yellow pages were still the hot thing. Right. And we cleaned office buildings. So in the evenings, we'd get done with dinner at home and mom and dad and all five of us kids would load up in the car and we'd go clean office buildings in the evening. So there was a big demonstration for me uh, that when times get tough, you buckle down, you work hard and you keep going. You don't make excuses and quit. Um, but what I found out is that <clears throat> one of the biggest things that makes a difference in our journey and when we're facing tough times is who's around us, who surrounds us, who's standing next to you. You know, at that stage of my life, when I was walking through that as a sophomore in high school, it was my family. You know, other times in my life, as I've gone through different changes, as I've gone through metamorphosis in my own journey, you know, when you go through hard times, you find out who is real, you know, who's with you, and you lean into those relationships. And so I can, I can absolutely 100% only accredit the, the reality of pushing through those times, not only, um, you know, to what was instilled in me and the faith that I also stand in, but so much so to the people who are standing around me when times get tough. Oh, that is so well put. You just tied in uh, what Renee and Pastor Jeff was talking about earlier. I, I, I want to revisit something that you said very early on. You said poor. I don't like to use that word because poor is a mindset. That's all it is, right? It has nothing to do with material wealth. It has everything to do with either scarcity or abundance. And when Renee was talking about that a little earlier and Pastor Jeff, it, it really just tied in so well to what you said, because you're right. You had enough because you got by. Right. How much was enough? You had no idea, but it was enough. And then you started thinking differently. Now, Michael, you're, you're an extremely successful person. You're extremely successful. I know that you've had some setbacks and I know that, you know, you've gone through some health related issues and, and you've always found a way to find the best in the situation. And I think that has something to do with your abundance mindset. So um, if you if I could just ask you kind of on the spot, I know that uh, this is something that I'm very curious. What would you say, you know, your biggest health setback was, you know, throughout your life and how are you overcoming that? that directly ties into the support structure that you talked about, that the accountability that you have in your life. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I would say the toughest is probably where I am today. Uh, so I'm currently going through treatments for both uh, lymphoma and uh, hepatic carcinoma. So it's a, it's kind of a scary thing, right? When you look at it and you look at a diagnosis and you hear like, Hey, you got all these problems, you're facing these things. And you just say, look, uh, you know, my attitude is going to be how am I surrounded by people who are going to not only, uh, you know, be there as treatment and be there as wisdom and be there as guidance in the process, um, but those people who are going to cheer me along. Now, the internal part of this thing, I think the guiding light from the inside is this faith that I have. And I, this is a statement that I say often uh, that and I tell people around me and, I, you know, for a lot of years and, and I, you'll hear this. You'll hear me say something like this a lot we say a lot of motivational things like when we are in a place like clubhouse or somewhere we're speaking or we're in front of a crowd or we're posting on social media we make all these cliche statements right like you know when the when it, the times get tough the tough get going or something like that right we make these cliche statements and so what i'm about to share i used to share all the time but until you face it really head on for yourself 
you don't really take to heart some of these things because it, it feels good to say them and it feels good to other people to hear them, but you really have to mean them things at a heart level. And so what I would tell everybody in this room is the attitude that I carry with me is that, and I say this to everybody in the room, if you are still breathing, God is not done with you. If you are still breathing, God is not done with you. So you have to believe every day that you wake up with breath in your lungs with the opportunity to take on the day that there is something in store for you, for you to do, for you to experience, for you to have a blessing or to be a blessing. And I believe that with my entire heart. And so when I wake up every day, it's gratitude to wake up and believe that if I have today, God's got a purpose in it. And I'm going to I'm going to take that purpose on and I'm going to own it like it is the most important thing in the world because it actually is. Oh my gosh, Michael, how you just said that couldn't have been said any better. You know, and it makes me think, how many times do we question what we're doing or why we're here? And that to me is the universal answer that we should be seeking as long as we have breath, right? And so I know that you have a segment coming up in which I'm very excited to hear. Um, and I just want to thank you for, you know, just being real. You know, you speak from the heart, Michael, and, and I know I'm going to pass it to Kate here in just a second. You speak from the heart where we can learn the things that sometimes we're afraid to talk about. You know, because very rarely do people, you're right, people spew inspirational things. They can always say the right thing, but do they really mean it? Do they really understand the meaning of their words and what that does to influence people? And um, I just have to say, I greatly admire what you're going through right now because your attitude about it just, it, it so inspires me. <laughs> I just, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, what you do, not only for others, you're an unconditional servant leader. And that's really hard to find these days. And you're that guy. So I just want to thank you. And I'm excited to hear your segment here shortly. And uh, I, I just appreciate your time. So Nikki, Michael, uh, I'm going to pass to Kate, the amazing Kate Bowman, who uh, we have a couple of people in common as well, uh, being a Matthew Kelly uh, buff. I love that guy. And Kate works directly with him. I know that Kate is also just someone who is really not only impactful, she has shown to be one of the most consistent people on this app to show up, give what she gives, and for people to understand. And you're able just to break it down so simplistically. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.